Welcome to The Adapter's Advantage, the podcast that shares insider stories about breakthrough moments that lead to success. Get ready for an inspiring conversation about adapting to change from Alego, the all-in-one sales enablement platform built for success in a hybrid world. Let's dive right in. Hi, I'm Mark Magnaca. I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of the Adapter's Advantage podcast. Our guest today is Tim Welsh. Tim is the vice chair of the consumer and business of consumer and business banking for U.S. Bank Corp. Uh, in this role, Tim leads the company's largest grouping of business lines, covering a wide array of services and products that help the bank to become central to the financial lives of consumers and small business clients. Uh, this includes branches, business banking, consumer lending, service operations, and even mortgages, auto lending, and dealer services. Prior to joining the bank, Tim spent more than 26 years with McKinsey & Company, uh, where he most recently served as a senior partner specializing in financial services and the consumer experience. He also led McKinsey's global learning and development function and co-led the firm's people strategy. He has a Master's of Business Administration with distinction from Harvard Business School and a bachelor's degree, magna cum laude, in social studies from Harvard. In addition, he's active on many nonprofit boards in the Minneapolis-St. Paul community, and he's on the board of Alina Health and Upside Foods. So please join me in welcoming Tim Welsh. Tim, glad to have you here. Uh, thank you so much, Mark. Really great to be with you. So Tim, when people hear all of the things that are encompassed under this title that you have of vice chair, uh, when you meet people for the first time and they ask you that question, so Tim, you're with U.S. Bank. Uh, what do you do? I'm curious, what do you say? Well, it is. It's a great question, and it's easy to get caught up, Mark, as you say, in sort of the uh, idiosyncrasies of, of banking. But for me, it's actually pretty simple what I'm trying to do. You know, when we have, we talk an awful lot at U.S. Bank about our purpose, uh, which we say is we invest our hearts and minds to power human potential. And every day that I come into work and I move my mouse and turn on my computer, that's what it says on the screen, right? And frankly, Mark, that's why almost five years ago now, I decided to leave a career that I loved at McKinsey and join uh, this terrific institution at U.S. Bank because what powering potential is about is making a difference in the lives of families and small businesses, right? In my, in my case, larger businesses and other parts of business. But I wake up every morning excited that there are millions of families out there whose lives we're trying to make a little bit better. We want them to be able to live the life that they want to live, and we want those businesses to prosper. And I get to go home every day knowing that I was part of a team that somewhere across the country made a few people's lives better that day. And that's a real joy, right? I talk about a sense of fulfillment. If we're helping businesses thrive and helping families live the lives that they want to live, I can't imagine anything more exciting than that. You know, Tim, I actually just get a little bit of goosebumps when you say that because, first of all, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that many people would think of when they think of a big bank, right. uh, whether it's U.S. Bank or, or any other bank for that matter. But as you just described it, like the picture that came up in my mind is, is Jimmy Stewart in, in the building and loan, right? Like what, what, what banking was really all about from the, from the beginnings was a personal relationship right. and, and caring about the people. So it, it sounds like a, a big part of what you're doing is, is sort of infusing that, 
that mindset uh, back into banking, which is something it had, but maybe has lost. Well, I, I think we could debate, you know, whether it's come or gone or whatever. But I, I do think one of the reasons I joined this company is it's full of people who think this is the way that we're supposed to do banking. Right. And it's a culture that I am privileged to be working with colleagues who, who really do have the same aspiration. I mean, it, you can't fake this. Right. At some level, it has to be genuine. This is either really exciting to you or you go do something else, right? And I am really fortunate to be surrounded by, you know, many thousands of colleagues who really do get joy out of making lives, the difference in the lives of the, of the clients we have approached to serve. Well, I'll tell you, it becomes, it's, it's an interesting point that this, this attitude is a differentiator. It, it really mm -hmm. is because you do notice. It's one of those things that, um, Sometimes people can't even articulate, but they notice. And you know what you're talking about. When someone has a, it takes an interest in you and cares. Um, it's meaningful. That's right. Uh, that leads me to a, a, a comment that I read from you. And, and just a moment ago, we were talking about a, a recent visit you had um, to the Lincoln Memorial. And mm -hmm. um, one of the points that you made in this article was uh, from from Dr. Martin Luther King, where that quote from him, which is that everybody can be great because anybody can serve. And right. so when, when I read that, I wonder how does that connect to the point you just made about your own personal sense of purpose? Well, this is for me, you know, what, what I do, Marcus, you know, many people know the story, but if you had known me in college, there was a pretty good likelihood that I was gonna be a Catholic priest. I uh, actually was, you know, that was part of what I was doing. I was president of the Catholic Student Association, all that. And I decided through a whole bunch for a whole bunch of reasons that that wasn't the career path that I wanted to go down, but that's still very much a part of who I am, of wanting to be of service to other people. And I have often, and I think you know all the time about the fact that exactly as Dr. King said, all I'm trying to do every day is make someone else's life a little bit better. Right? I feel like I've had a good day if I if somewhere in the world I've helped someone lead a little bit better life. You know, just a small contribution. I don't want to, I don't pretend to play a big role in it. But, you know, you try to do that every day. And what you're struck by is A, you can do it. And B, you're inspired by the incredible number of people around you who are also doing the same thing. And you just imagine how much better the world would be if we all had that mindset all the time. If I could live up to my aspirations as often as I'd like to. And if others could, it would be amazing. And I think that's part of the inspiration of Dr. King was, you know, that's imagine what that world looks like if we all behave in that manner. Well, you know, what's interesting, Tim, as I'm listening to you, though, there is this processional effect, because when a leader does that and people see it and they and they recognize this is real and it's authentic for them, there is almost this cascading where where the next level of people start to embody it. And then, you know, before long, it, it, it sort of becomes the ethos of a place. Uh, it, it can work in both directions. But the way that you're describing it is 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 really what Martin Luther King was talking about. Well, I think, Mark, you're highlighting the impact that a leader can have, but I also think it's worth highlighting the impact that every single person in the organization has, right? Because, yes, a leader can help create an environment, but what inspires me, quite frankly, are the thousands of bankers we have all across the country who are living this out every day. And, you know, you, you can walk into any branch or you can call a call center and you can see it. For me, one of the most vivid images of this occurred in the early days of the pandemic when 
our whole industry, but certainly U.S. Bank was doing helping administer the PPP program, Paycheck yeah. Protection, right? And we had bankers staying up all night, you know, to help our small businesses with the loans. And and you know, we were not perfect; we made mistakes, but it was a, a remarkable effort on the part of so many people in our bank and across the industry to really, you know, live up to the vision that Martin Luther King is describing of, you know, uh, of being able to be out there and do, uh, be of service to somebody else. It, that was a really inspiring moment. And for me, truly inspiring to see what all those bankers across the country were doing. So let me pivot, Tim, from that point and uh, just go back for a moment and ask you in terms of your own learning journey about the most important skill that you learned from your time at McKinsey that you've brought to your role at U.S. Bank? I think a couple of things I would highlight, Mark, is, is first of all, the notion that um, we all want to live some sense of purpose, right? That's what we've been talking about. Yes. And in order for us to, to really live out our purpose well, I one of the things I learned at McKinsey that was so powerful is that we want to, as often as possible, be our best selves, right? We want to achieve the full potential that each of us has. Partly, we do that by living out our purpose. And partly, we do it by continuing to learn and to grow, yeah. right? And as leaders, part of our opportunity, and frankly, part of our obligation, is to create an environment where every single person that we're privileged to work with, that we're creating an environment where each person can be their best self as often as possible, right? Because who doesn't want to go to work in that environment, right? If I'm thinking about, I get to make a difference in the lives of somebody else. And at work, I got a group of people around me who are helping me to be my best self. Like that's joy, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that is yeah. pure. And so that's what we're trying to do. So how do you help create an environment where everybody can be their best self? And so that was one of the things we talked a lot about in the learning and development function at McKinsey, which is you know, part of that is getting the right mindset, helping people to have the mindset that they're going to learn and grow. And by the way, making mistakes is part of learning and growing. You and I both have kids. We've watched that. It's true for adults too. Yes. Right? You know, we have to have an, we have to create an environment where it's okay to make mistakes. And we have to instill a mindset that says I'm learning and growing, right? We have to create an environment where we all support each other, where there's a spirit of generosity, where we have in, in the, the words, you know, we have givers, people who are looking out for one another. We have to create an environment that is safe, where people feel supported. Doesn't mean they're always going to be agreed with, but that we're going to work out our differences. So I rooted in, you got to have a sense of purpose. We all have to know why we're working, why we're coming to work every day. Then in order to achieve that sense of purpose, you got to help people be their best self. Yep. And you do that by having a growth mindset, by creating a safe environment, by creating an environment of generosity. And boy, if we can, if we can get that magic going, we together can change the lives of lots and lots of people. So let me pivot from that to the, to the comments you've made uh, that have been published elsewhere, including in the McKinsey Magazine, um, about evolving people's skills and capabilities is like, quote, updating software on an app. You said, uh, you know, in the past. So what have you learned in, in terms of using this mental model as it relates to building a mindset that our listeners can learn from about how they can do this? So I, I think for the first 
uh, point I'd make is, is uh, we've just alluded to Mark is all of us have to keep learning abroad, right? That is, it's not optional. And by the way, to your very important point, it helps us become our full self. It becomes us help be fully human, right? And it, so that's very exciting. So how do you do that? And I, I think that there are a couple of different elements of learning that, that I try to do and that I think are important uh, more generally. The first is, I think all of us need to learn just new content, right? There's just, you know, there's stuff about the world. And, and you know, one of the things that's happening in, in banking, and it's certainly happening in many industries, is the world is becoming much more digital, right? And so I, as someone who, you know, is part of a bank, I need to learn the new digital tools, right? There's just sort of technical expertise that you have to develop. Look, I don't know how to design it. There are you know, many more brilliant people than that, but I have to know how to use it and I have to know how to help clients. That's, there's a content element of stuff that I've got to learn. Okay. There's an, a second element, uh, which I think is just around how do I become a more effective leader, right? Those, you know, sometimes I don't like this phrase at all, but sometimes those are referred to as soft skills. I think that's entirely the wrong way to think about it. But how do I continue to inspire people? How do I help create a vision and strategy? How do I, frankly, I think the most important aspect of this is listen. How do I become a more effective, empathetic listener so that I can help understand the people around me and help them achieve their full potential? So there are kind of general leadership questions mm -hmm. that I think people have to do. And then the third category I'd put is just self-awareness, right? Increasingly understanding one's personal biases, tendencies that you have, uh, blind spots. I certainly have my share of them. And just becoming more and more aware of who you are as a human being uh, so that, frankly, you can be comfortable with that and you can hopefully communicate your, your, the fact that you're comfortable means everybody else gets to be their authentic self as well. So those would be elements, Mark, of things I think we all need to learn. Content, leadership skills, and self-awareness, uh, largely self-awareness to help uh, enhance authenticity. So one of the things that really struck me, Tim, when, uh, when I first read the McKinsey piece that you wrote was um, the, the difference that I noticed among some executives who basically think of learning slash training as um, something you kind of have to do, but not, not necessarily central to the business's purpose. And so as, as someone who uh, was a McKinsey consultant and worked with lots of you know, C-suite folks, what's the framework you use when you're trying to help people um, in those roles assess the impact of this kind of capability building um, related to cost in terms of time and money? Well, I, I think a couple different things. You know, any senior executive has an element of uh, their job that is purely strategic, right? Like figuring out which direction the business should go. Right. But there's also the arguably the much bigger part of the job is how do you get people to go in that direction once we've collectively decided right. that's the direction, right? Right. And that's the piece that I became really fascinated with uh, is how do you inspire and motivate people to do that. And, you know, there have been a, a fairly traditional set of metrics, which is some smart boss tells some other group of people what needs to do. And, and that's that, you know, traditional hierarchical model. And I think what I came to learn is that there have been so many insights, Mark, about the last, you know, 30 years about how to develop the full potential of human beings yeah. that I realized 
if you could if you could capitalize on those insights about human development that you could actually mobilize and motivate a lot of people to move in whatever strategic direction you were uh, you were trying to go and those insights we've touched on many of them you know lead with purpose help people achieve their full potential growth mindset etc things we've talked about those of all as, as you're well aware those insights are you know relatively new in the last 30 years and I think if for senior executives embracing those and saying that's how we can help move our teams in a positive new direction so that we serve our clients well in whatever strategic direction we're trying to move, but we also help each person be their best self doing that strategic direction. So that's how I fit the pieces together. It's not only figuring out what you got to do, but using these wonderful insights about human development to, to motivate and inspire people to go there in a way that is really meaningful to them. Well, I want to pivot from that, Tim. Um, I, you know, I had the, the opportunity to, to learn really some of the, the uh, inspiring stories of, about some of the work you've done in, in Minneapolis. And one of the comments that I really liked uh, from one of your peers said that what, one of the things that is almost a superpower for Tim is his ability to bring people together. So my question is, with, with things like the uh, Itasca project, um, what have you learned about bringing people together that can be applied by our listeners to help people make better decisions? Well, just as a little bit of background, thank you for the very kind words, by the way, but as, as a little bit of background, the Itasca project was started about 20 years ago in our community and is a coalition of business leaders, nonprofit leaders, and government leaders who come together and work on very long-term issues, things like housing or transportation, uh, child, early child development, things like that. And uh, I have been fortunate enough to be involved from the very beginning of this. It's been one of the joys of my life. And one of the things that is so interesting that I learned, Mark, to your point about bringing people together is that all of us come at a particular set of issues or, or opportunities from the seat that we live in, a business seat or a nonprofit seat. Sure. And that's an extraordinarily valuable perspective, but it's not the only perspective. And what we've discovered through Itasca is that when we come together all with a common sense of, we're trying to make this a community where every person can thrive, right? right. right. It takes all of us is what you see, right? Because no one perspective is going to be complete. All of them are critical, but you can't make changes along the lines of what we're talking about unless you have everybody involved, everybody's perspective being heard and appreciated, and to your point a second ago, everybody then excited to move forward in this team, even if it's a non-traditional, right? Very cross-sector outside of traditional boundaries. I'm excited with this team to be able to move forward to make a difference in our community, right? And all of those different perspectives matter and they really inspire people to step up and, and be their best selves, but in the, in the community environment as opposed to in a company environment. So I want to switch uh, to the pandemic uh, just for a moment because of uh, something I read that, that really struck me that you said. You, you said that the pandemic has forced people to learn more quickly. And I'm curious as to the framework that you use to think of uh, in terms of how you leverage technology to help shorten the learning curve for people and to help reinforce um, what learners have to consume so they can actually use it. Well, one of the things I think is important about pandemic from uh, from a learning perspective is you talk about changing circumstances right in the last two years I'm not I don't ever, ever recall in my life a period 
where things changed so rapidly in such different directions, right? <laughs> and and we were all, we were all working with incomplete information all of the time, and we had to make our best judgment at a particular moment to do whatever it was, knowing that almost the world was going to shift sometimes in a day, sometimes in a week, and we would get more information and we'd have to adjust. Now, at one level, that is. Uh, completely tiring and exhausting. And I think all of us have felt that at some level. But at another level, it's a great reminder of the fact that, you know, having a growth mindset we talked about earlier is really critical because we're all going to make mistakes, right. right? And we need to use these opportunities not to sit around and say, who, say whose fault is it? That's not a productive use of time, generally. The productive use of time is what can we learn from this? How can we grow together? And I think the pandemic has forced us to do that. And frankly, you know, instilled in most of us, certainly me, a fair amount of humility just to realize that, you know, you're going to make some mistakes. Yeah. I think your point about technology, what it has allowed us to do is share ideas much more quickly and powerfully. Right. And I think, um, you know, most of us hadn't used video forums uh, like we now use in so many ways. And frankly, things like you're doing with podcasts, you know, even a few years ago were relatively nascent. Right. right. I think what what has happened and one of the things that's really exciting is we've now used all this technology to be able to learn from one another as quickly as possible. And if you have the mindset that I got to learn because the world's shifting really fast and I've got all these really wonderful people around me who have ideas and now I'm connected to them in ways I never have been before. Wow. You know, hopefully as we get past the pandemic, we'll keep all of those technologies in place because the amount of human potential that they will unleash is just extraordinary if we continue to take advantage of them as we've had to during this very challenging period. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, Tim, this has just really been such a great conversation. Um, one thing I, I couldn't help but think of, I am privileged um, to be the president of a company that has 260 people having started with two of us in 2013. Um, and we're, I'm really uh, grateful for this experience and the chance to, to play this role. But I realize um, you're dealing with a hundred times that in, in your role. So I'm just curious on a personal level um, between your family, your community, uh, your, your, the bank, your faith, and all of the other things you do, what's the strategy that you use to balance your time? So uh, first of all, Mark, congratulations. Starting a company is among the hardest things I've ever seen anybody do. And to have it grow to be as successful as you have is a huge accomplishment. So Thank you. huge congratulations. That, that is a really big deal. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I think if you ask, you know, many people, including my wife, I'm sure I'm not the master of figuring out how to uh, manage the time. But, but the one question I do often ask myself is, what are the things that only I can do, right? And uh, when, you're, when you realize that you're surrounded by extraordinary people, and, and I feel totally blessed to be surrounded by extraordinary people, um, there are actually not that many things that only you can do, right? Um, only you can, you know, be there to recognize people and celebrate them because that's part of you know you have a title that's part of what you right. do only you can play a certain role in helping set the strategy but also only you back to the story you told can be the one who walks up the steps of the lincoln memorial with your son and you know talks to him about martin luther king right yeah. 
Yeah. And and so what I find when I really push hard on what only I can do, uh, it actually turns out to be fairly liberating because I'm surrounded by so many incredibly capable people uh, that I just have to pick a few things that where I can make a difference and let everybody else do the things that they do so extraordinarily well. So last uh, last question for you, based on your experience, uh, what do you believe is the most important skill that people need to learn or improve today? Uh, you know, look, there, there are lots of skills that one uh, could do, you know, could highlight here, but I am, uh, I'm generally a fan of listening, right? And, uh, for, you know, I think it's important to distinguish listening is not, I've stopped talking to give you space to talk so that I can continue to talk. Uh, listening is, um, I'm going to hear and understand and recognize what I can learn from you and the, and adapt my perspectives based on insights that I gather from you and others. And uh, I find that to be one of the most important skills for me is to be able to really listen well and to ask questions that draw other people out so that I can get perspectives that I wouldn't have otherwise and insights that I don't have on my own. And uh, I know for me, that's one of the things that uh, I try to use as part of my growth mindset is to become a better and better listener so that I can learn more and more. That is a very profound thought. Um, I think most people would agree that listening is in fact a skill that you need to practice, particularly those of us who are extroverts who tend to think out loud. It, is, it really is something that can be practiced, that you can improve so that you can be present in the way you've just described versus doing what you've just said, which I know I've been guilty of uh, myself of being so excited in the conversation that I've just sort of wanted to jump in instead of, in a sense, being able to marinate for a moment in what the person has said. And I also, I reflect myself, Mark, on times when I have felt really listened to, and I know how affirming that is, how much it shows appreciation on the part of the listener that they appreciate me, makes me feel valued, makes me feel a little bit taller, right? Uh, and, uh, and so if I, as a truly effective listener, not only learn something myself, but convey to the person that I'm listening to that they really are important, that they matter a lot, then I'm doing something of service to them as well. Tim, on that note, um, it's been a real pleasure. It's everything I hoped, uh, for in getting to meet you, uh, in person in this, in this context, having read the article that I mentioned initially in the McKinsey magazine, um, just a, a pleasure to have this conversation with you. If people want to learn more about U.S. Bank or they want to be able to connect with you after hearing this interview, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, first of all, Mark, a real joy on my part as well. Thank you. It's just a privilege to get to know you through this discussion and uh, be uh, just so impressed by the way you think about this thing and the work that you're doing. So real joy for me too. Thank you for reaching out. And I would encourage others to do what you did, connect on LinkedIn or or other forums, uh, certainly connect with our communications team here. Uh, if, if that's helpful, or reach out to me directly. Perfect. Well, Tim, thank you very much. Uh, I welcome a chance to, uh, to continue the conversation. And um, thank you for the work that you're doing. It is uh, making a difference, not only at U.S. Bank, but beyond as well. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Really great to be with you, Mark. 
You've been listening to The Adapter's Advantage, a podcast from Alego. Stay connected by subscribing to the show at alego.com forward slash podcast, leaving us a rating and comment and sharing episodes you love. That helps us bring you more conversations about breakthrough moments that lead to success. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember that one new idea can change your life.